So we're all in agreement that the situation in British Columbia is a nightmare. It is a worst case scenario. There's no doubt about it. And um, it's raising a lot of questions. I mean, the immediate focus, of course, as it should be, is on protecting lives. Uh, And that's still in jeopardy in some areas. There's still a lot of work around that area. Then there's the focus on re-establishing supply lines and all the rest of that and transportation corridors because we know the coke uh, trans-canada rail lines all these things have been very very heavily affected in all these areas so there's a major major job that lies ahead now when you think about how we get back on track with that infrastructure there's a lot of people saying well don't just do what you did before Things have changed when these highways went through and the rail lines went through and when you built where you built and all these sorts of things. We're not in the same position we were then, and maybe we need to start rethinking how we do things. These one-in-100-year events, they seem to be happening a little more often. And even if they are one-in-100-year events, uh, shouldn't you be able to handle them? Isn't that sort of the point? I don't know. Maybe we need to rethink infrastructure. Joining us to talk about this is Ryan Ness, who is the Adaptation Research Director at the Canadian Institute for Climate Choices. Ryan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I think, you know, there's a lot of people talking about, okay, yeah, absolutely, we have to do a lot of work to get things back on track. But there's a lot of other people saying, well, listen, we need to take a look at the way we do these things in the first place, right? This is really shining a light on, there's some infrastructure problems we have as these events become more common. Absolutely. What we're seeing, I think, is that infrastructure decisions haven't always accounted properly for the climate, whether it's the climate that we currently have or the climate we may see in the future. And when we get it wrong, it costs everybody uh, and it costs Canada billions of dollars. So maybe we need to get out in front of these sorts of things. Like when you take a look at the Abbotsford situation, let's just focus on that for a second. It's it's a drained lake where uh, the area of concern is right now. I mean, the expectation is sooner or later that one in a hundred year event will arrive, correct? Absolutely. There's a there's a 1% chance every year that there will be a 100 year storm, basically. So when they take a look at, I mean, I don't know, it, my, as I read more about this, is the thinking sort of like, well, whatever, it's one in a hundred years kind of a thing. Who cares? It's, you know, we don't have to worry about that. Or, you know, is, is there not the infrastructure in place to handle these events just because the chances are slim, even though it's inevitable? Often infrastructure is designed to something like a hundred year storm or a a hundred year flood. Um, But we often don't have the information that we need in Canada to actually determine what that looks like. Take flood mapping, for example. Uh, Much of the flood mapping in Canada that does exist is over 20 years old. So it reflects the climate um, of the late 20th century instead of the early 21st. Um, and there are huge areas across the country where, where people live, where businesses and infrastructure exist that, that aren't even mapped in terms of their flood risk. So while we can try to design things uh, to a certain level of risk, if we don't actually understand what it is, that, that becomes very difficult. So when we take a look at what's happening there, and you know these events, we're talking about Abbotsford, but there's also, you know, we've seen these kinds of events happen across the country. Is it a good opportunity to take a look at the infrastructure and say, okay, clearly we're, we're, we're living in a time where these events seem to be happening more often and more severely, and we need to take a look at, and if we do, what should we be looking at? I think we it's a wake-up call that we need to look more carefully at where those points of vulnerability on our most critical infrastructure are and how 
uh, climate-related events, uh, present or future, might put those at risk. So we need we need that information about climate risks, and then we need to overlay that on where our infrastructure is uh, and where people live and say these are the points where it's really going to hurt uh, if we get some kind of 100-year disaster. Are, are there things that we can do? You know, when you take a look at Abbotsford, is there some way, I mean, the pumping station seems to be a big concern. Do we need to look at upgrading those kinds of mitigation efforts? I think it's, again, a a wake-up call that we need to make sure that the systems that we do have in place, you know, Abbotsford has a pretty elaborate system of flood defenses, including pumps, um, to assess whether or not they're up to the task of what we now understand about the climate. Um, And that means putting the money out there as well. A lot of this infrastructure is owned by municipalities who don't have big budgets. Um, So they're not going to be able to fund upgrades on their own, and they're going to need support from higher levels of government. A lot of this is reactive, right? Like, there'll be all kinds of discussion about what to do with Abbotsford once they get through this crisis. You think about Katrina, and they bolstered the levees around Katrina after the fact. Are there agencies, are there governments, are there people involved right now in taking a look at points of vulnerability and trying to be proactive? Is that work happening in Canada? Unfortunately, it's it's not happening enough. Um, Hopefully, again, as a wake-up call, events like the the BC flood disaster will uh, create some incentive for for people to move faster, for for governments to move faster. But it it really isn't happening enough. We don't understand enough about where these risks are, and we're not investing enough in getting ahead of them proactively. Is it possible? I mean, you can't... Obviously, these kinds of events, some of them are just... they're, They're going to happen, and there's going to be natural disasters. We understand that, but... You know, can you get in front of some of them? Can you see areas where, okay, this is going to be a problem if something like this should happen? Absolutely. The the, the science and the technology are there to be able to uh, look at and and better understand what a a current 100-year event looks like and what a a 100-year event might look like in the future under climate change. Um, It's just a matter of uh, getting the resources uh, spent and, and available to the, the people that need it, the, the municipalities that need it, uh, to be able to do those assessments. And then once they figure out where their points of vulnerability are, to actually uh, you know, build something uh, to protect themselves. Yeah, get out in front of it. Yeah. Okay, thanks very much, Ryan. I appreciate your time. Thank you. That is Ryan Ness, who is an Adaptation Research Director at the Canadian Institute for Climate Choices. And that seems to be what a lot of the discussion is right now. Um, okay, we're going to deal with this immediate crisis, and then we need to take a look at other areas of vulnerability, because just think about our province, right? Um, the wildfire in Fort McMurray, the flooding in Calgary, the flooding in High River, the wildfire in Slave Lake. You don't have to go back that far to see these one-in-100-year events um, that have happened in the last five or ten years, and um, clearly they showed that in a lot of areas, we just weren't prepared. 